This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. was substantially more fun than the other night. Um, yeah, to kind of play on our toes and not be on our heels the whole night, again, also very fun. Um, so I think we just got to take what we did well in this game and build off it and take the confidence from this game and keep moving forward because we got a game with them on Tuesday. That is Pittsburgh Penguins forward Brian Russ talking about scoring 11 goals on the Detroit Red Wings, yet not being satisfied because they have the New York Rangers on Tuesday. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Verlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. We're going to get into the Penguins' win against the Detroit Red Wings. We're going to get into their loss to the New York Rangers, and then we're going to look ahead as they have the Rangers once again coming up on Tuesday, and then six other games that are completely and utterly just lined up against Goliaths in the National Hockey League. Horwat, I know you're excited about the 11-2 win. So I'll, let me phrase it this way for you. Are you feeling very confident, somewhat confident, just confident, or are you wary of the Pittsburgh Penguins after their two games this weekend? You know what? I'm feeling pretty confident. I know that's not one that you said, but I'm going to throw it between somewhat and very, just because... Uh, yeah, it's not fun losing a game to uh, to uh, to the Rangers like that, especially to that number. But the way that they were able to bounce back, regardless of the team that they bounced back against, I know that you have thoughts on that, but regardless of the team they were playing to score 11 against, it is 11 goals in the National Hockey League. And you know what they didn't do? They didn't take their foot off the pedal from puck drop to the final buzzer. That is the kind of hockey we've been trying and begging to see from this team since about the first month. How many times have we mentioned? They're not playing the full 60. They're not playing the back 20. They're only playing the back 20. Well, guess what? Now they're, in that game specifically at least, all 60 minutes were played. Um, was it against a bad team? No, not necessarily. The Red Wings aren't the Red Wings they used to be. Let's think of that, too. They're not the worst team in the league. It's not like we did this against the Devils or the Canadians. It was the Red Wings who, technically, in a way, still have a chance to make the playoffs if they, you know, didn't give up 11 goals. And I mean, they're the first team out still, aren't they? Or did the Islanders finally No, the Islanders and the Blue Jackets are ahead of them. Okay. Uh, But for the longest time, it was the Red Wings as the one team out. And granted, we knew that the entirety of the eight teams in the East... We've known that for months now. But they were the first team out, and that said something for a little while. They're a young team that's got a bright future. Uh, I don't care that it was the Red Wings that we scored 11 against. It was still 11 goals against a National Hockey League team against a... uh, He's an AHL call-up. You hate to hear that from Calvin Pickard. But, it, regardless, it's any... On any given night, any given NHL team can win. Penguins just happened to score 11. Evgeny Malkin was a big part of that. And he's the guy that a lot of people, mostly radio pundits, said was going to mess up with the chemistry and was going to fumble this team out of the playoffs. Well, guess what? I think he's done far from that. And he's looked better than ever. And a hat trick against a bad team, who cares, solidifies it. Yeah, I don't want to take anything away from what the Pittsburgh Penguins were able to do in that game on Sunday. I mean, you look at this tweet from Dom LeCision of The Athletic. The Penguins are the first team to score 11 goals in a single game in the salary cap era. The first team to do that in total since the Washington Capitals pulled it off 19 years ago in 2003. So I understand it's a historic performance. I understand that it is impressive. And I also understand, and I want everybody else listening to this to understand, this is the first time the Pittsburgh Penguins have played a cupcake in over a month. They had that really hard schedule to start the month of March. They had three games where they played teams out of the playoffs, but like we're saying, the Columbus Blue Jackets are playing better. They're the last team out. They've had a really good stretch in the second half of the season. The uh, Who else did they play? They played the Arizona Coyotes, who has scored what we said 
a lot of goals in the last little while. They scored like six goals a game leading into that for the last like five games. And the Buffalo Sabres, who we ran down, have had a really good month of March. So it's not like those teams are great, but they're still playing good hockey. They're playing better than they were at the beginning of the season. They're playing better than where they're at in the standings. The Red Wings are the opposite. They did have a good start of the season. They are getting worse and worse as games go along. I saw another tweet this morning. I, I meant to flag it and make sure I gave credit to whoever it was that said it, but they're, they've given up zero through 11 goals and everything in between this season. So that's exactly what team you played. You played a cupcake. You dispatched of them. It is impressive that you scored 11, but at the end of the day, it's the two points that you have on the score, score sheet, and you have a huge game coming up on Tuesday. So they better not, I know they won't rest on their laurels, but as fans, don't rest on that. I'm not extremely confident because they did this. I'm confident because of the fact that they took that loss. It seemed like everybody from the star players in Sidney Crosby to the freaking equipment managers and Taglianetti, they understood that they needed to come out and impress people today, or sorry, on Sunday. And that's exactly what they did. It's exactly what they did. That was the thing. It wasn't that they blew out the Red Wings. It, it's not so much that. It's not that they put up 11, which, by the way, I did not realize that was the first time that it happened since the Capitals 19, however many years ago. Didn't realize that. I We've seen, since the salary cap era, we've seen a lot of 10-goal games. Mm-hmm. Didn't realize we never saw an 11. I could swear we saw a 12 at one point, but, um, I mean, I'm bound to believe whatever Dom Lecision yeah. says. Um, so the fact that we were able to set a milestone like that is one thing. And like I said, it doesn't matter that it was the Red Wings. It was the fact that we got our asses handed to us in New York. Mm-hmm. I, I turned that game off after the first period and said, this is just about over. I thought maybe something could build from something on a no goal. Whenever it was still three, nothing, whenever that no goal call happened for us. Um, I know my complaints fell on deaf ears. I texted it to you and said he never covered that puck anyway. Yeah. Who cares? We shouldn't have been down three nothing to start. But I was kind of looking at it as there's a lot of game left. If it's three to one at the end of one, it's a much different ball game. Um, but alas, that was a no goal, and I just turned it off. I said, "There's no point in this." Goals just kept happening <laughs> for them, and we, the Penguins, the fan base, and the coaching staff—they all knew they had to bounce back and lay into the Red Wings and by late into we were expecting maybe a five goal game maybe six Mm -hmm. 11 we overdid it and now it's yeah we definitely made up for it so I don't care who the team was the fact that we were able to bounce back in such a way is fine by me again if it was the Canadians if it was uh even the Coyotes you're you're discussing it as saying well they are a legitimately bad team right now the Canadians especially going into that going into yesterday had nothing to play for they're out of the playoffs they're Mm -hmm. done so you can just call it as it was their first day out of the playoffs. They're taking their one day off because they have nothing left. But it was the Red Wings who, like I thought for a long time, had a chance to maybe kind of find a way to sneak in. Obviously, they don't anymore. But it was still the fact that we were able to bounce back and overexceed the expectations in a good way. Yeah, when you look at this game, and, and we'll get into the individual award not awards, but the individual performances that we saw, because there were a lot of individual performances that really built this massive blowout. I mean, the second most shocking assault on television that we saw on Sunday evening. <laughs> but to me, which performance is more telling? The fact that the Penguins came out and absolutely blew out the Red Wings, or the one... Uh, let me just ask this. Which which game was more telling to you about the Pittsburgh Penguins? I'd say the Detroit game because they were able to bounce mm-hmm. back. If they weren't able to bounce back, let's say they only put – let's say they won 2-1 to one and it was a close game down to the wire. Let's – whatever it may be. However, the 2-1 to one game against the Red Wings may have happened. I'm having a much different feel <clears throat> on this Monday mm-hmm. morning. I'm not feeling as confident. I'm feeling it's good that we got a win. It's good that we got a bounce-back victory. But I'm not – like you mentioned, my confidence meter – I'm not pretty confident I am just middle ground. Mm -hmm. Whatever your middle ground option was, I don't remember it. But now that I am pretty confident because we were able to, that the team, as themselves, were able to look at at themselves in the mirror and say, we fucked up that game. Mm -hmm. Now let's go do something about it. They went out and scored 11 against a peewee hockey team. Sometimes that's just what you have to do. Yeah. 
That is just what you you have to abuse the bad teams. You just have to sometimes for your own confidence, especially when you are the playoff team and you need to prove that you're able to bounce back. Because you take a bad loss like that in the playoffs and you don't bounce back from it, it is game over. Look at the last three years for us. We take one bad loss and it's game over. Game one in each of the last three years. Whereas this time we were able to look at the bad loss, look in the mirror and say, that's not happening again, bounce back from it. I was I would say the same exact thing. I would say it's very telling, and obviously every pundit that's going to go on and talk today on any podcast or any radio show is going to say, hey, they showed that bounce-back ability, and they did, and that's 100% correct. I think the most telling thing in this whole storyline is going to be what they do on Tuesday. What they do on Tuesday, even if, if they come out and they lose Tuesday, that to me doesn't completely wipe out the Red Wings game. That tells me, okay, right. you took care of business on Sunday – but there's still a lot to be said because the Rangers are the team that embarrassed you. The Red Wings suck. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna put it mince words about it anymore. They suck right now. I called them a yeah, peewee exactly. team. They're not good. So the fact that you're able to do that to the Red Wings, good. You should do that to the to the Detroit Red Wings right now. What you do on Tuesday at home against the Rangers, you do have two games left against them coming up here, and I believe the next calendar week. But what you do on Tuesday will be the most telling thing about the mentality and about how this team has their confidence going. If they can go in on Tuesday, they don't have to win the game. Obviously, they have to be better than they were on Friday. That's that's a given. But I need to see them play similar to how I saw them play last Tuesday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. That was confident. That, I believe, they ran that team out of the building was much more impressive than running the Detroit Red Wings out of the building. So if I can see them play and like they did last Tuesday against Columbus, this Tuesday against the Rangers, that's going to be the most telling performance of the entire month of March, in my opinion. For sure. Let's let's say we lose that game to on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Let's say we lose it, but we kept it close. We looked like we were actually battling the entire 60. Do you still feel good? Because like I said, it's a loss. But again, you were able to stay in the game. Let's say we push it to overtime even. But you were able to stay in the game, look good doing it. Because you can have good-looking losses. I don't care what anyone says. It hurts to lose. Yes, it hurts to lose in regulation. Yes. But if you can look good, you can build confidence and build momentum, which is huge. And I just want to point this out before it gets lost in the ether. Uh, remember whenever I said we can lose to the Rangers outright and still not lose the spot lose the spot to them yeah. in the playoffs? Yeah, sorry I said that. I'm going to say that one's on me because we lost to them very outright. And, you know, I mean, we didn't lose the spot to them in the playoffs. We didn't lose the spot to them in the race. I did not look to see what the Rangers did yesterday. They won in overtime against the Sabres. Okay. Okay, so they got two points, but so did we. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, this will probably be the biggest game of the month. Regardless of win or lose, we have to play good, play well. That's what I'm going to look out for the most when it comes to that game. It's going to be important to win, for sure. But I think if we're able to at least prove that we can play this team well, because we've seen it, we've seen the Penguins play the Rangers well, then that is at least a confidence builder because we might see them in the playoffs. You never know now. And the big thing about that, and I know we're getting lost in the in the sauce with the, the New York Rangers, but the biggest thing with that is I don't care what the regular season record is. We we always say that when we're previewing a playoff series. Hey, what was the regular season record? Because it is, it is fair. It's like, hey, these are the teams. They, they played this many times in the regular season, and this team won this many times. It is very easy to input that into a postseason preview but look at last season. The Penguins dominated the New York Islanders in the regular season, and they still lost to them in the playoffs. Now, you can say that they dominated them on the ice in the playoffs, and for the most part that they did, but still, they were 6-2 and two against them in the regular season. If you go by that, and if that's the end-all be-all, which it isn't, then you would say, oh, they should have won that series in four or five games. They lost it in six. That's why it's the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's why, to me, the regular season record doesn't always mean anything. But what I do need to see, especially considering the fact that the first time you played the Rangers, they were pre-deadline Rangers. I do think that it is very big that they added the pieces that they added, and then they came out and they beat the crap out of the Penguins on home ice. That was huge for that team. 
you need to come back and get yourself a nice win against the New York Rangers. But let's continue to talk a little bit more about that Red Wings game before we move on to talk about the upcoming schedule in the next segment because it is a ridiculous one. Uh, first and foremost, I know it might get lost considering there were 11 of those goals and this was the first one. Shout out to Kasperi Kapanen. That goal, yes. not only does he score a goal, but similar, if not the exact same play that he made against the Blue Jackets last Tuesday. Attacks the net, cuts to the front, this time doesn't get stopped by a skate. Alex Nedeljkovic was way out of position, and Kapanen deposits that goal early in the game. He finally gets a goal. He has two goals in his last five games. He's picking up speed. You can tell that he's using it to his advantage a little bit more. And to me, as much as I love that goal, as much as I was like, okay, cool, that's a sign he's coming back. The biggest sign on that in that game, and this is something that I'm not sure a lot of people even picked up on, there was... I don't remember what goal it was, but after that, there was a face-off. Kapanen's line was on the ice. The puck went forward towards Kapanen. He took it and just blew past the Red Wings defense. It didn't end up in a shot. He blew past him, and then he lost control of the puck. When I saw him using his speed like that, that's something I haven't seen this season. That's what tells me that his confidence is going up. I know we've bashed him a lot on this episode, on this show. And rightfully so, I'm not going to walk that back. He has deserved every bit of criticism that he has gotten throughout the entire Penguins media. But seeing that, like I've always said, I need to see a sign of life. I don't need the goal. The goal was nice. Seeing that, that meant a lot to me. Seeing him do, be able to do something like that. That's what tells me that he's building his confidence, which is very good for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Get hot at the right time. Get Because you want to know... Because in game one, game two, I mean, he scored a huge goal in game one uh, of last yes. year's playoffs. We've seen him do stuff in the postseason already. Like, not much, because again, not much can be seen in six games. But we know he's a player. We know he can do something. Get hot at the right time. Build your confidence now. You did, yeah, he were right. He did deserve everything we said about him earlier. A few episodes ago, it was death taxes, us trashing Kasperi Kapanen. Now it is death taxes and hey maybe he's got something going here hopefully so evan rodriguez it's your turn now by the way let's not forget this i'm going to be quick with both of them if we need to it's good that they're both playing with confidence yes but again much like zach aston reese you can play with analytics and confidence all you want if the puck's not going in the net sorry we need guys that can put pucks in the net because we know jari can stop him. we know our defense can hold down the fort good enough it's a matter of now getting the bottom six score, which is starting to find its way. I mean, 11 goals speaks for itself. Yeah. <laughs> it's starting to find its way. Ricard Raquel, like, first of all, how about you tweeting, Ricard Raquel will score in this game, and it was the 11th goal. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, thanks for making me wait to be right, but I was still right. <laughs> yeah, you were right. You're definitely right. That's on the anytime goal prop bet. That counts. Yes. That's a winner at DraftKings. He just, he just made you wait. Yes. I'm very impatient too. You know this. So I was, I was sitting there. I was like, how many goals are they going to score? And then he scored the 11th one. I was like, all right, cool. We're good. Well, here's, so I, um, watched most of the first period. I think I listened to a lot of the second. Yeah. I listened to a lot of the second. Um, Josh gets off. I saw him tweet that he was getting a bunch of well wishes and notes from people. I did not know what happened, but I did notice that he, uh, ran off the air. Yeah. Um, and Phil Bork had to do two goal calls, which I thought was awesome. Uh, one was a, the Red Wings' second goal and then Crosby's response goal. Um, I don't know exactly what happened because Getzoff did come back mm. to, to the booth. Um, but then I missed the entirety of the third period. I can remember um, Megan took the tickets. I can remember just saying to her, hey, glad you guys saw a good game. And then I checked the score and went, oh, my God, they scored 11? <laughs> like, I didn't see the ending of the game. I just kind of... I'm aware of, I haven't even watched the highlights yet. I have had business stuff going on this morning. Um, so I haven't even watched the highlights yet, and I, we'll get to them. But we scored 11. Yeah. How about this? How about in a vacuum? We scored 11. Let's, like, take off all the frills for a minute of the season and say, we scored 11. That's a big night. Yeah. No, it was it was a great day to be a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Yeah. It was a great day for hockey. So It was a great day for Twitter, was, by the way. If ever, if a lot of things happened on Twitter. social media day as well that you're you're 100 correct so oh my goodness and 
even even better just to like derail this conversation one more time that we can get back on it wrestling is in town tonight and rick flair laid in another can of whoop ass on somebody yeah, yeah. <laughs> Woo! yeah that man is that man is a couple feet under at this point um but, Woo, but back to the back to the game obviously captain we talked about that evgeny malkin ho-hum yes. another hat trick you know it's just him being evgeny malkin right now on the season it's funny because his stat line is eerily similar to evan rodriguez's stat line at the beginning of the year in 30 games played, Evgeny Malkin has 16 goals, 16 assists, and 32 points. If we all remember, in the first 33 games of the season, Evan Rodriguez had 15 goals, 15 assists. So it, it's 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 very similar, but the only difference is we all trust Evgeny Malkin to sustain this definitely more. Um, but no, congratulations on Evgeny Malkin. Great performance. And obviously, seeing all this happen in the Pittsburgh thirds, the diagonal thirds, just makes it 10 times better. Because you love you love building up, you know, go back. Oh, the Penguins scored eleven. What did oh the third jerseys against Detroit? It was a very it was a very good jersey day in the city of Pittsburgh for sure. And what earlier that day there was the tweet going around that uh, the the Penguins had won their first Eastern Conference title, division title on that date against the Red Wings. Oh, I don't remember that. I saw that tweet. Um, because I think Jesse Marshall tweeted about Mike Lang's call through the whole thing. Um, yeah, how about that, too? We clinched whatever title it was. I forget which one exactly, if it was, like, division or uh, It would conference. probably have to be division. Because the Red Wings were Yeah, but our, seasons were weird yeah, back our, then. They weren't in our conference. No, but maybe we just needed a win. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, like, how about that? On the same date that many years yeah. ago against the same team it was almost guaranteed it was storybook that the penguins were going to win that game then they did 11 goals to do it so it was uh it was it was a day of storybooks Mm -hmm. i don't know how to put it it was a fun day all around a couple shout outs also just players that had really good performances teddy bluger his first four point game in his career one goal three assists Uh, the goal was very nice as well i I mean just sniping alex nadelkovich who had a really bad bad day you know, starting, getting pulled, getting put back in there, and still getting shelled after that is uh, not a good look for Alex Nadelkovich. Does my victory lap continue? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> this is a, like your third or fourth victory lap on the Nadelkovich uh, take that you had. And it's, it's warranted as well. So uh, props to you on that. Ricard Raquel gets his first goal as a Pittsburgh Penguin. He also had a three-point game. So good for Ricky Racks. And his first game playing on the Evgeny Malkin uh Evgeny Malkin line so that's that's a really good sign for the Pittsburgh Penguins that in their first game Raquel Malkin and Russ just looked absolutely ridiculous together yeah for sure uh and Malkin coming back from the non-COVID illness to wreak havoc Mm -hmm. um boy do you think we could have used him on uh we could have used a lot on Friday I don't think having just him would have made that all the difference but I mean they gave up three goals in the first five minutes of that game it's not usually going to start well Right, and the fun part about that game is, I don't know if, I mean, I like I said, I didn't see the last two periods of the Friday night game, but I noticed in, in the early in the first, and it was still kind of close and in reach, it was getting chippy. Yeah. There was a little bl- bad blood there, and then we went down 3 nothing, and I'm assuming it all just stopped. Yeah, we can all thank the referees from the first matchup between those two teams. Because the referees in the first matchup said, basically, you guys can bloody each other. You guys can hack and whack each other. You guys can punch each other. And we're just going to take one aside. And it's not going to hurt anybody's chances at actually winning the game. So now, there's that bad blood. You add in the fact it's a division rival. You add in the fact that there is history between these two franchises. And you also add in the fact that they are potentially a first-round matchup. So you want to best this team. And you want to try to get in their heads. That's all going to come to a head if they play in the first round, but it's going to get gritty. It's going to get gnarly and it's going to stay that way, which is good for the sport and good for this rivalry, but it's just going to make it very, very dangerous for the players on the ice because these guys are are going to start hating each other very soon. Yeah. And it's been a while since we've seen this specific rivalry, Uh, Penguins and Rangers, like six years uh, we'd mentioned. Yeah. It's, but you think of the, Last couple playoff playoff rounds we played against them, it was pretty decidedly one way. So I mean, the year we played the Rangers and beat them, it was all us. It was we got them. In yeah, five. and the year prior it was all them, but the year before that was what a seven game series where the Penguins blew a three to one series lead. 
Yeah, yeah, but I don't remember that one as being too. I remember not being confident in that team. Well, that was that was the was mid just... mid two thousands Penguins, but nonetheless, I mean, the, the rivalry is back, and it has been six years since it's actually mattered at all. It might not yeah, have oh, been yeah. the, it Both might teams not are... have been this visceral, but it it was still a massive rivalry for the Penguins at that point. Yeah, the Penguins have always been good, and the Rangers have come out of their three day rebuild, so it's quite yeah. fun. And they're finally seeing the fruits of their labor, and it somehow did not equate to Lafreniere Cap or uh, Capo Caco. Capo? I forgot his name. That's how irrelevant he's been. Yeah, I mean, he was a healthy scratch at points this season, so I don't know what's going on with that. He he might not be on the team come next season, but you know what? Is he? Does he have any skill left in him? We'll take him in for cheap. I don't think there's a spot in the lineup. We'll talk about that in the second segment. But I don't think there's a spot in the lineup for Capo Caco if he comes to Pittsburgh. Uh, Not even next no. year? Well, I don't know. The, 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 the team <sighs> next see, that's year, that's a completely that's different. Like, nobody knows what that's going to look like. I don't even think Ron Hextall knows that. Uh, last thing I do want to mention before we cut to commercial break really quickly, Sidney Crosby. Again, we're talking about ho-hum performances from the Stars. One goal, two assists, three-point night for Sid. He is six points away from point number 1,400. Obviously, he'll get it this season. He's, he's yep. a... He might do it he next game. He's one point away from clinching another point-per-game season in the NHL. I believe that would be – he still had a point-per-game in every season, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every so year. So he just keeps that rolling like it's easy. My bet, if I was a betting man, which I am, my bet is that he will score his 1,400th point at home against the Washington Capitals on April 9th. You know how many games away that is? Six. You know how many points he needs? Six. You know what he's always done? A point per game. He will get it in that game, in my opinion. Rule of averages. I like yes. that. He might not score in every game, but he might get two here, three there. The only thing know. that I'm a little worried about is that he's going to do it earlier than that. I don't think it goes later than that by any means. He could go no, out there. He could go, He could do so. this in the next two games. He could have two three-point performances, and we'd just be like, oh, cool. Like I said, he could do it next game if he, he really should tried. Do it the Rangers, though. That's true. Six points against the Rangers would be a lot. He could do three against the Rangers, then three against potentially Marc-Andre Fleury in the wild, and then there you go. Oh, no, I forgot Marc-Andre Fleury's with Minnesota. <laughs> I'll let you digest that, and then we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll talk about the Minnesota Wild game and every other game coming up on the schedule because it is a hellscape. We'll be right back here on the tip of the iceberg. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team to get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We're talking about the road ahead for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I posted a tweet on Sunday saying they needed a big win against the Detroit Red Wings, and they took that to heart, winning 11-2. We broke it all down in the first segment, but the reason they needed it is the next little while here on the schedule, the next three weeks of the schedule is an absolute hellscape. Let me run down through these really quickly, and then we'll discuss. Obviously, we've talked ad nauseum about the rivalry with the Rangers in this episode. They will take on the New York Rangers at home on Tuesday. And then, quick little road trip at Minnesota, who's heating up, at 
the Colorado Avalanche, who are about to win their second straight President's Trophy. And then, oh, guess what? That is the first game of a home-and-home -home with the Colorado Avalanche. So we have the Avs two times in a three- or four-day span. That's great. Then you go back to MSG, which was not great on Friday. Play the Rangers again. Then you come home against the Washington Capitals and the Nashville Predators, who the Predators also embarrassed the Pittsburgh Penguins in recent memory. So, those next seven games, is that what it is? Yes. Those next seven games are vastly important for the Pittsburgh Penguins because as of right now, they have 90 standings points. The playoffs is not really a question as much as a matter of where they seed themselves. Those 90 points are good for second in the Metropolitan Division, currently matched up against the New York Rangers, but with home ice advantage. First and foremost, Horwat, if you had to cherry pick what position the Penguins would finish in, where would you want the Penguins to finish in the standings? Ooh. First is always fun, but we're seeing that the Lightning might end up being a low yes. seed. Oh, it's so hard to say, because we're not like the Bruins, like I said. We're not like the team that, once the playoffs hit, they're not seeded. They're just themselves, Correct. and they're going to open up cans. Ah, man. And winning the division's fun, but it doesn't get the pomp and circumstance. I mean... We I, I did have to, like, double, triple check. There is some sort of notif uh Not a full banner. I don't remember. I can look again tonight. Um, there's not a full banner, but there is something hanging from the Raptors that we won the division last mm -hmm. year, which is cool. It's 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 good to win those things for your franchise history. Yeah, but when you look at last season, do you really care that they won the division? No, no. Exactly. No one cares that you win the division. Yeah. Unless that unless that year matches, the, matches a cup mm -hmm. banner. But still, it's... In the grand scheme of when you're trying to sell the team or something, I don't know. It's, hey, look how many franchise title, or, uh, division titles we have. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Fenway go. Sports Group was sold by the amount of division titles the Penguins won. Come on now. <laughs> They're like, we, Fenway Sports, Sports Group looked at, looked at the Penguins and said, we own you in Boston. We may as well own you in your oh, home that's city. Up, but it's probably true. Tell you're me not. Wrong. <laughs> So I think hitting second would be nice because you can not have the pressure of a division title going into the playoffs. You're not a favorite favorite. I don't know exactly who we'd play, but anything to not play a murderer's row of playoff teams. Like, give us the capitals somehow. <laughs> give us... And that's about it. Yeah. I was, Maybe I was the about to say doesn't really matter if you're coming out of the eastern conference you're going through a murderer's row all eight of those teams even the capitals are starting to pick it up right now i think the penguins match up with the capitals beautifully though um, but nonetheless you're going through a murderer's row if you're getting to the, to the stanley cup and that kind of makes me think that the winner of this year's stanley cup might come from the western conference because they won't have as tough of a road but at the same time it, you never know like it, it, it's and weird be broken to bits yeah. yeah so the thing with this is i think the penguins currently are sitting in the sweet spot I think the number two seed for them is the sweet spot. Why? Because if you get that number one seed, you're getting the leftover from the Atlantic division. I don't think the Penguins would be able to catch up to the Florida Panthers. I think the Panthers end up with the number one overall seed in the East. So they'll get probably the Capitals if you're playing law of averages. Either the Capitals, the Rangers, especially if the Penguins finish in second. It's going to be the Capitals or Rangers versus the Florida Panthers. So if you win the Metropolitan Division... There was a time last week where it was the Tampa Bay Lightning. There was a time last week where it was the red-hot Boston Bruins. There was a time, I believe currently, that it is the Toronto Maple Leafs. It is a very, very tough first round if you're able to do that against any of those teams. Obviously, the Maple Leafs, the history is there. But this is a much better Maple Leafs team than a lot of people give them credit for. They have some issues at goaltending. They still have some issues on the yes. defensive side. But still... It's not like the Penguins are spring chickens when it comes to winning playoff series either in the last couple of seasons. So I think their best bet, if I got to pick a sweet spot, is the second seed. Why? Because you'll get the Rangers or you'll get the Washington Capitals. I, I, I think the Hurricanes will win the division. So you're probably going to end up with the, with the New York Rangers. Not to say that's a good matchup, but home ice advantage against the Rangers. It's the lesser of eight evils at this point, looking at the Eastern Conference. Yeah, it's it's not going to be no. easy no matter what. Um, sure, the Rangers or the the Capitals might be the easiest, but we've seen the Capitals in the playoffs. They're no, not fun. No, no way that would be a matchup that would go any less than six games. 
Hell no. Postseason Ovechkin? Yeah, no. I mean, postseason Ovechkin, postseason Capitals the last few seasons have looked like us. Yeah, it's a very similar. For how heated um, our rivalry has been, but with those between those two teams the last few uh, last many seasons, that somehow might end up being the most boring (laughs) playoff series of the opening round, just by sheer fact of both teams have sucked in the playoffs the last three seasons. We're gonna watch the Hurricanes and the whoever because that's a fun matchup. We're going to watch the Leafs fall apart again, because that's always mm-hmm. fun. Like, it, we might just somehow, if that happens, it might just somehow be only watched in Pittsburgh and Washington. I, I really, I, I understand why you're saying that, because neither team has won a playoff series in three years, but you can't tell me Penguins Capitals is always must watch across the nation. It doesn't matter. who It's it's Ovechkin Crosby in the playoffs. Yeah. There's no way it's going to be boring. I'll say that. There is no... For the average for the average fan, they'll tune in, yes. But the hardcore fans that are like, all right, both these teams it, have sucked the last few years. I'm not going to waste my viewing time on this. It might this. be the worst of the playoff series between these two teams in the Crosby-Malkin era. Yes. And Crosby-Ovechkin era. But at the same exact time, it, it's still going to be better than 90% of all other playoff series that we've ever watched. Yeah, it's it's it would kind of replicate the, uh, maybe at least... Hear me out on this. Would it, would it in your eyes, replicate the 2018 Flyers yes. series? But it but it wouldn't because be as one-sided. Right, not as one-sided. It'd be just about as... I mean, not that that series was boring, but, I mean, that game went... That series went to six, and it didn't seem it, like it. It went to six, but the Penguins won by, what, like three goals every single time they won? And, and the, and the yeah. Flyers won, I believe it was, what, games two and four? So it's not like they ever had a lead in the series. Yeah. So, nonetheless, I mean, the playoffs are coming. We're going to have plenty of discussions about that. I know you're excited. I'm extremely excited. Those are always fun discussions. But I just thought that was a nice little experiment. Where do you think the sweet spot is for them in the standings? And I think we both said the second seed in the Metropolitan Division because it's home ice. And I know that people can say what they want. I know the Penguins are the best road team in the NHL, but you need home ice when it comes to the postseason. Yeah. No, you do, for sure. Especially when it's... um teams that we're going to be playing against when it's this eastern conference when it's when it's madison square garden or it's uh wherever the hurricanes play but they have uh the 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 storm surge there's a lot to play for at home in every arena across the eastern conference Mm -hmm. right now so out of a possible 14 points in that stretch of seven that we talked about again I'll, i'll go over it really quickly again versus rangers at wild at abs versus abs at Rangers versus Caps versus Preds. There's 14 possible points on the line during that seven-game stretch. Out of a possible 14 points, the Penguins need blank for you to be happy with this current run. How many points would they need to rack up in this next stretch for you to be happy with their performance through that? Obviously, it also matters how they play, but looking strictly from a point standpoint, how many points do you want them to score in that seven-game series? Or seven-game set, I should say goodness i would hope so out of 14 i would hope for 8 to 10 9 to 10 mm-hmm. because i'm not gonna this this lineup not easy I'm not gonna guarantee a clean no, 14 not, there's not a chance plus that's yeah plus that that'd be a seven game winning streak are you kidding Eight. me this late in the season don't blow all those wins yeah. now take a couple losses please put casey to smith in there a couple times well yeah please. casey to smith will play in a couple of these games yeah, so I would hope uh, anywhere from above average, which would be like 8 to the 10 mm-hmm. mark, which would be pretty good. So, And like I said, if you clean up all 14, hell yeah. Dear God, take some losses. Yeah, I agree with that. I had 8 down on my score scorecard here. And I have a couple of caveats, the things that I really need to see to be happy with that 8. Obviously, 10 would be where I'm happy with. But if they get 8, and these three things happen, I'll be happy. They need a win against the Rangers. And one of those two, you need to beat the Rangers at least one time. You need to beat the Washington Capitals. We all know that if you, if you win or lose against the Capitals, so goes the spirits of the fan base. You need to beat the Capitals in that game. And you also need to take one from Colorado. You can't get clean swept by the Colorado Avalanche. So I need eight points. I need a win against the Caps. I need you to beat the, uh, I need you a win against the Rangers. And I need to take one from Colorado. Well, there's six of your points. Yeah. So, 
their six-year points. Uh, <clears throat> maybe slip it, slip it an overtime loss if you need to. Show some abilities to play all 60 in each game. I think you could start there. Don't take a game off. Now is not the time to take games off. Granted, your playoff spot, your playoff seed, or your invitation, I guess, is pretty much set in yeah. stone. But uh, don't take games off until a little bit more is decided. I'm okay with taking games off whenever you have your playoff seed or your playoff spot settled in. I'm fine with that. Uh, but you got to keep the momentum rolling. You got to keep the confidence high. You got to keep the fan base behind you, especially. So I, I would don't think say, that's their responsibility. But yes, continue. No, it's not. But um, when it comes to home games and stuff like that, you have to really hope mm-hmm. for that. The fan base will be behind them on game one of the playoffs, no matter how they finish the rest of the season. It's just going to be amount the amount of trust in the team based on their performance in this last calendar month. Uh, for me, I know those that like to do the magic number thing for the playoffs. Obviously, the Penguins are going to make the Stanley Cup playoffs this year, but the magic number is between 12 and 11. The only reason it is like that is because the Islanders have so many games in hand on everybody. So I believe it's 12 for the Islanders and 11 for the Columbus Blue Jackets. So how that works, obviously, every point the Penguins get, that lowers the magic number. Every point that those two teams don't get also lowers the magic number. So as of right now, they could be clinching a playoff spot here in two weeks time. And that's not a, that's not a great thing. But once again, it's another thing that can be checked off the list. You talked about, Hey, it's nice to win division titles. It's always nice when you put banners up, you put three at a time division conference, Stanley cup. That's the epitome. And that's the top of the mountain. That's what you want to do. And part of that, it doesn't become a banner is clinching a playoff spot. It's an important part. Yeah, no. Just making being the eight seed doesn't get you a banner. It does not. We did that in 2014-15. That's the last time we were that close to being out of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, one last thing I want to talk about before we head to break here. Jason Zucker has been practicing with the Pittsburgh Penguins in a no-contact jersey. He has missed the last 28 games played after recovering from sports hernia surgery back in January. Now he's back on the ice, obviously. Very upbeat, as always. Still a little ways away from returning to the lineup, but once he returns, somebody's got to go out, and he has to slot in somewhere. So, Horwat, where would you slot him once he gets back into the lineup, Jason Zucker? I think as the third-line winger. Who you, and just kind of adjust from there. I don't know who yeah, goes where. I was about to say, who do you, ta- who I do you take keep... off that third line then? Because it's Heinen, Carter, and Kapanen. Now, they've only played one game together, but it was a very impressive one game. But again, everybody was impressive against the Red Wings. This is also just filing in because I don't want to break up the second line yet, and you obviously don't want to break up the first. Don't you? Uh, You know, maybe you bump, because I keep forgetting Rodriguez is on that first line. Maybe you bump Rust back up um, and stick Zucker in, in there with Raquel and Malkin. Now I'm just kind of speaking from paper paper moves paper transactions of that sort um because i don't want to take Boyle out of this lineup yet i don't I, either that's just because uh i've loved watching him play all year and he's come full health because we're also forgetting about brock mcginn here yeah he's not gonna be in there and that's gonna hurt unless they are quick to take out evan rodriguez mm-hmm. that's and that's the thing i woke up to obviously i fell asleep early last night because it was a long day missed your text also missed a text from friend of the show, Doug Gladkey, who did our trade deadline review last week. If you haven't listened to it, go uh, back and listen. He likes Jason Zucker, and I completely agree with him. He likes Jason Zucker yeah. on Sidney Crosby's right wing. That's fair, too. It, we saw it work before, mm-hmm. but to what extent did it work? Before? He also wasn't given very much time. He was yeah. relegated to, Cros- exactly. uh, to Malkin's wing, basically like everything else happens. But now that Malkin has the shiny new toy in Ricard Raquel, and I do love that line. I like our middle six the way it was. On Sunday, it was only small sample size, one game, and it was against a putrid team. But I liked what that middle six looked like. So yeah, take Evan Rodriguez off the first line, put Jason Zucker there, and you know what I do with Evan Rodriguez? I know that we're trying to get his confidence up. You're gonna go on the fourth line. Zahorn is gonna go out, and when McGinn comes back in, you're gonna be the thirteenth forward. Whew. Tell him that I like because that. as of right now, you said it. I agree. We're not taking Brian Boyle out of this lineup for a, for many, many reasons, one of which being the fact that we traded away Zach Aston Reese. You need somebody to kill penalties. I know Teddy Bluger is one of the best penalty killers 
in the entire National Hockey League. And if it wasn't for how good Teddy Bluger is at that, they probably would not have felt comfortable trading Zach Aston-Reese. But because he is so good, and because Brian Boyle has stepped into that role, and because he's been able to score goals at a pretty decent rate for a fourth liner. I mean, he, he did the what? Mario Lemieux celebration when he scored on Sunday as well, if you didn't see it, which I think you said you didn't. So definitely go back and look at that. No, I did not. I have to, I have to watch highlights, but, uh, though. No, I, I, I think you keep Brian Boyle in the lineup because obviously he's a little slower, and I heard uh, Jesse Marshall talk about this on the Locked on Penguins podcast last week. He said, the game slows down in the playoffs anyway. So that gap is going to close, and Brian Boyle is going to feel right at home when the game slows down a little bit in the postseason. And I would much rather have Brian Boyle in there than Evan Rodriguez. If you take out Rodriguez's first 33 games of the season, they've probably produced on the same level. I'll probably... That's an article idea. So watch out for that article. I feel like they've produced on the same level since that point of the season. And honestly, I think Brian Boyle brings a lot more to this team than Evan Rodriguez. If they're at full health. Yeah. If they're at full health. I would Especially so. in a fourth line Especially role. at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Evan Rodriguez is falling off the mountain and it hurts, but... We need people that can score. I don't care how confident you are. I've, I've honestly liked him as of late, so I'm not trying to dish on him. But realistically, when right. I look at the lineup and I know that it is a business, that's the moves that I would make. That's Is that the move that's going to happen? Probably not. He, I really highly doubt somebody's going to go from playing on Sidney Crosby's wing to being a healthy scratch in, in one day. But... The Dom Simone treatment. Yeah, but nonetheless, I mean, that might be where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can remember making lineups for you and Dougie at the beginning of the season, before the season started. Fully healthy? I'd, not even fully healthy. I think whenever we had one guy back, I was kicking Rodriguez out of the lineup. Well, and here's the, here's the thing. If Rodriguez didn't do what he did at the beginning of the season, this wouldn't be a question. He'd probably have been traded. Either that or he'd be sent down. Yeah. One of the two. Exactly. Rodriguez would not be in this lineup had he not had 30 points in like 30 games. Exactly. So, obviously, it's always fun to talk about the lineup. We talked about the lineup. We talked about the playoffs. That is a podcaster's dream, especially a hockey podcaster's dream in one segment. So, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, our pens poll and our grades for general manager Ron Hextall at the trade deadline. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. Before we get into our Pens poll, I do want to shout out at Jedediah412 on Twitter for tweeting a nice reminder last Thursday. It had been nine years since the Penguins acquired Brendan Morrow from the Dallas Stars. They were grabbing captains like they were Infinity Stones that year. They grabbed Jerome Aginla. They grabbed Brendan Morrow. Obviously, they had Sidney Crosby. Evgeny Malkin is captain worthy. So it was nice to get Brendan Morrow on that team. I think he is always kind of forgotten about because they brought in Iggy the same exact year, around the same exact time. That was a great trade for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They sent out Joe Morrow, the defensive prospect, and a fifth rounder to Dallas for Brendan Morrow and a third rounder. And as Jedediah put on his tweet, that third round pick... Ended up being Jake Gensel. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's why that tra- that <clears throat> excuse me. That's why that trade matters. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That is a huge trade in the paradigm of Pittsburgh sports because you look at what Jake Gensel has been able to do. Obviously, biggest thing, Stanley Cup champion, right, right there, 2017 Stanley Cup champion, Jake Gensel. In that run, 13 goals, 21 points, and 25 games played. People were saying he was breaking rookie records in the postseason. He was going up against Dino Cicerelli in the postseason record books. He was having a great year. The following season, in the postseason, 10 goals, 21 points, and an identical point line in only 12 games played. You mentioned the Philadelphia Flyers series. He went absolutely crazy with Sidney Crosby in that playoff series. Now, he hasn't been great in the last three, but none of the Penguins really have. But... This season, 
He has 31 goals, 65 points in 61 games played. Just like Sidney Crosby, who is his mentor, who is the person he aspires to be, it seems like, starting to just cruise along here at a ho-hum point-per-game pace. The Pittsburgh way. Gotta love Jake Gensel, and also gotta love Jedediah for, for, for throwing that back. He, I, I love little tidbits like that, and obviously... That's something we both knew, but none of us remembered. So that's why uh, that's why Twitter's a great thing. Love it, love it. I, I forgot all about that specific trade. Like that was the specific trade that brought him here. Because because it's always fun thinking about. Hey, you remember where you, kind of where you were? An idea of what it was like hearing the Penguins got Morrow on top of Aginla, on top of Doug Murray, <clears throat> on top of UC Jokinen, who stuck around for a couple more seasons. You remember that team. You remember all the stuff that happened that year. But then you kind of looked at a draft pick later that season and thought nothing of it. And then now here we are in the year 2022. And he looks to be the future of this Mm -hmm. team. Or just the wild connections, the butterfly effects, the way the ball rolls, Mm -hmm. if you will. And there's a reason that I did want to mention that leading into this question about grading Ron Hextall's trade deadline performance. We said several times last week, and we'll say it again, Right now, trade uh, draft pieces don't mean anything. Draft picks don't mean anything for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Doesn't mean that they won't in the future. But at the same time, for the Pittsburgh Penguins, I think it was the right move. You think it was the right move. Let's get to it. How do you grade Ron Hextall's trade deadline performance this year? In recap, he brought in Nathan Beaulieu from the Winnipeg Jets, defenseman that will probably not touch the ice. And he brought in Ricard Raquel. Sent out the other direction. Dom Simone, Zach Aston-Reese, goaltending prospect Callie Klang, a second-round pick, and a conditional seventh-round pick for Beaulieu, but that condition is the Penguins need to win three rounds in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and Beaulieu has to play 50% of the games. Neither of those, well, one of those things certainly not happening. Uh, If they win three rounds in the playoffs, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be a little surprised. We could talk about that in a different day. But uh, but, We'll talk about that in three rounds. Basically, the conditional seventh is going to be wiped out. So let's look at the, the, the voting for this. B won the poll. Most people rated him a B with 44%. A had 41%. So very closely, a lot of people, if we had B+, I'm sure everybody would agree with that. C, 9%. D to F, 6%. Those people are probably either Capitals fans that are on our timeline or strictly just burner accounts for the hockey troll. So, Horwat, what did you grade Ron Hextall's trade deadline performance? I'm going to have to give it an A, give it an A because what what did he do wrong? Yeah. Did he not do enough? Is maybe that what people are thinking? Because sometimes doing too much is your downfall. Look at 2013. Not saying that that was the downfall of the team, but just because you load up doesn't mean you automatically are given the Stanley Cup. That doesn't mean you automatically get your banner printed. It's just you can't immediately make knee-jerk reaction trades to everything that happens. Hey, we're, we're not tough enough on, on the line. All right, trade for Ryan Reeves. Hey, we need uh, more def- more depth scoring. Okay, trade away trade away the farm for one guy. No, we traded away pieces that weren't contributing to the offense that we needed for a guy who's going to contribute to the offense that we need. So was it the smartest of moves to trade out Zach Astorius? Probably not. In the long run, probably not. But as of right now, we need depth scoring. He was not going to give it to us. So I don't care about his analytics. He can go do that in Anaheim. He can go not score there. Okay? They have other people to score for them. So, and the Bowie thing quite literally means nothing. Basically. I don't, quite literally means nothing. His contract's up after this year, isn't uh, it? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, that quite literally means nothing. If people want to, if you want to find diamonds in the rough, buy his jersey. That'd be fun to <laughs> find in five years. Like, remember when he played zero games for us, but they made his jersey anyway? That's like that was a nothing move. Quite literally, nothing. Especially whenever the seventh round pick isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah, you're you're not you're not losing that seventh round pick. You're not even going to lose the seventh round pick. You're just bringing on a contract for literally nothing, and it's not affecting our cap. He's not going to play any games. Literally, it's injury insurance, if anything. Yes, that's about it. And honestly, even if he does play, hell, he might be okay. It's a name I've heard. (laughs) He's played in the NHL before. Yes, you are correct. Yeah. So, honestly, I'd give him an A because what did he do wrong? I agree. I would give him an A. I I understand people give him a B because you're hesitant because, oh, he didn't change 
the trajectory. Because Kapanen's still on the team no, because Rodriguez is still here because DeSmith is still here. Because you know these moves didn't change Kapanen's the trajectory of the team. I understand that. Yeah. But still, you look at what he did with what he had, too. That's what's important to me. He had zero cap space. Literally zero cap space. He held on to his first round pick. He held on to the top prospects, whether you believe in Sam Poulin or Nathan Legeray, that's a moot point. He held on to his top prospects. He didn't have to trade any of his defensemen. And, and, he brought in a guy that's going to play in your middle six, that started right away, and that looks to be the type of player that fits in the system and that makes Mike Sullivan feel bubbly inside in Ricardo Raquel. I think he did a great job, especially... If you take out the context, it's a B. You add that context, there's no way he's lower than an A. Right. You want something even more fun? In my opinion, the biggest loss of that trade was Callie Klein. But you know what we have? Joel Blomquist. Made up for it immediately. What? You can can say Zach Asterisk is the biggest loss because he is a current NHL player and is contributing in the NHL right now. Callie Klein's got a hell of a bright future ahead of him. Give him that. That's the biggest loss, though, because... But we're able to fill it. That's what I was getting at. He's the biggest loss of that trade, but we're able to fill it with Tristan Jari, who is the guy right now, and a Joel Blomquist, who is still in the system, who was just at about the same level. When you discuss... When I thought of Penguins prospect rankings, Blomquist and Klang held the same spot because they were drafted literally around after each other. And they're both goalies at about the same age, still playing in Europe. They're at about the same level. You can't differentiate one being way better than the other. So I think that was my thoughts on it. If anything, that's the biggest loss just because, oh, now we have one less goalie prospect. And the thing, the thing with goalie prospects, too, when I look at goalie prospects, it's a matter of you want high-end ones, but at the same time, they're all different. Whether or not oh, yeah. a goalie pans out from that stage to the stage where we see Tristan Jari at now, it all pans out very differently. And here's the thing. You want the most amount that you can get because eventually one of them's going to pay off. So I understand why. But it's at the same time, you do still have Joel Blomkus, so you have that. You have Philip Lindbergh that's been playing while well, he's been injured all year, but was really good coming into the Penguins organization this year and was pretty good at the beginning of the season as well. He was the AHL goalie of the month in the first month of the season. And you just signed Taylor Gauthier as well from the WHL. So you have young goaltenders, not to mention the fact that your goaltender, not even in his prime yet in Tristan Jari, is playing at a Vezina level right now. So yeah, it looks good. while you did trade away a good prospect in Callie Klang, you traded away from a well, probably only spot of strength in your prospect system. And you yeah. still bolstered it by signing Taylor Gauthier like two weeks before that. So I really think if you look at the way that he performed during this trade deadline, a lot of things were said about the way that he doesn't go for it. He doesn't take risks. He did this very in a very calculated way, and I think he did a really good job with it. Time will tell if it was, but I think he did a fantastic job for this trade deadline. We both give him an A. The majority of our listeners give him a B, but also a large majority of our listeners agree with us with an A as well. Both of them are passing grades. Both of them are successes. I don't think there's any other way of looking at it. I think people may have dropped it to a B because Kapanen's still here. And Rodriguez is still here. Whatever it may be. Maybe that's why it was lower. Because, hey, we're still holding on to this weight that can't do anything. Well, he's starting to do stuff. Yeah, to do Kapanen's stuff. turning things around, and Rodriguez can be, a, we already talked about, Rodriguez can be a scratch when this if this team gets to full health. Knock on every piece of wood in my apartment building. Yeah. But... That's going to do it. I want to ask one more question of you, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in shout-outs and call-outs on Thursday. Real or fake Will Smith slapping Chris Rock? Uh, I think it was real, uh, but is it wrong of me to say I kind of don't care? No, that's perfectly fine. I don't think it was real. But at the end of the day, I don't care. I don't give a shit. That's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. A nice little entertainment tonight corner there at the end. But we'll be back on Thursday to discuss what happens between the Penguins and the Rangers on Tuesday. So that'll be it for this one. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you guys Thursday. Have a great week, Penguins fans.
You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.